Each fall, millions of students entering college find themselves placed in remedial classes that they must pay for and pass before they can earn college credit. So few of those students go on to earn degrees, less than one-third among those enrolling in community college, that a number of states have decided to try a new approach. Some now permit students to take remedial courses at the same time as credit-bearing courses, while others are letting students take remedial courses while in high school. The state of Tennessee, as part of its Drive to 55 initiative to boost college completion, has done both. So what can we learn from the ongoing push to restructure remedial education in the volunteer state? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and my guest today is Angela Boatman. Angela is an associate professor of higher education at Boston College and co-author of Is College Remediation a Barrier or a Boost? An article that will appear in the spring 2020 issue of the journal and is available now at educationnext.org. Angela, welcome to the Ednext podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. As we start, I should acknowledge that this study is a real team effort, it appears, with co-authors including Tom Kane, Whitney Kozakowski, Chris Bennett, Rachel Hitch, and Dana Weisenfeld. How did the opportunity to conduct this research come about, and why was it attractive for you all? Yes, this project was definitely a team effort. Um, in addition to us as the research team, we had to partner with multiple agencies in Tennessee to do this work. Um, and it, in part, came about just due to the innovative, interesting things that were happening in Tennessee around developmental education and had been happening in that state for years. Um, and so we partnered together, worked with the Tennessee Department of Education, the Tennessee Higher Ed Commission, the Tennessee Board of Regents, um, in addition to some other statewide data repositories to kind of come together around a set of research questions that very much had to do with does moving remediation earlier in the educational pipeline help student outcomes once they get to college. And these changes to what you just referred to as developmental education or how we structure remedial requirements were part of a broader effort in Tennessee to really boost college graduation rates or the share of the adult population with a post-secondary degree or credential of some kind. Tell us a little bit about the suite of activities that were part of this effort. Yes, that's right. The Tennessee sales program was one of the main pillars of former Governor Bill Haslam's um, big initiative statewide to in improve college graduation rates. Um, and that was called the Drive to 55. So you may have heard of this, where the intention was to have 55% of adults in Tennessee with some kind of post-secondary credential by the year 2025. Um, and there were several pillars of that, many of which uh, some of your listeners may have heard of. The probably the most popular um, or most well-known being the Tennessee Promise, which was the free two years of college for students coming right out of high school. Um, that was then followed up with the Tennessee Reconnect, which applied to adults that weren't necessarily coming right out of high school. And then the third program, which is the one that we're here to talk about today, was the sales program, which stood for Seamless Alignment and Integrated Learning Support. It was a remediation program designed to address the fact that nearly 70% of their high school seniors were entering um, college of some, at some point needing to take a remedial course. And so we see right away why you consistently refer to it by its acronym. It's a yeah. sort of awkward <laughs> yeah. title there, Seamless Alignment and Integrated Learning Support. Uh, sales, as we'll call it. How did sales work? So the, it, the, it actually was a pretty drastic change from the way that high school math was traditionally taught in Tennessee. So um, whereas a traditional math class has the teacher up in front, the students are all kind of working together, following different units throughout the semester. The sales program, it was entirely computer-based and uh, self-driven. So the students uh, were self-paced and the 
uh, software was provided by uh, the Pearson software suite. It was called My Math Lab and um, at most of the high schools in Tennessee. The students worked through the modules at their own pace. There were five of them. Once they completed the modules, they had completed the sales course. And then the sort of key component here is that they were then exempt from developmental math once they got to college. Um, so by completing this in high school, um, they, were, they were not required to take a developmental math course. Tennessee was using uh, the ACT math test for placement into remedial math. Um, and so students with a score below a 19 on the ACT math test were going to take remediation at some time, either in college or high school, and sales is what opened up the pathway for high school. And as I understand it, the idea of shifting remedial math from college into high school was possible because Tennessee relied on the ACT, which students take as juniors. That's right. And so they actually knew in their senior year whether they were on the track to be required to take remedial education. That's right. We have seen more states moving in this direction of sort of this early awareness where they are assessing students in the 11th grade, providing them with the information, and then using the 12th grade year for the the developmental or remedial courses. California is another example that has um, attempted an earlier intervention period. And the program wasn't universal, but rather available only in some high schools. And this made it possible to compare students enrolled in sales to similar students in other schools that didn't have the chance to get this jump start on remediation. Is that right? Right. So it scaled up over time. So the program started in 2012 at a small set of about 20 high schools um, outside of one region in Tennessee as pretty much a pilot cohort. Um, and then really it was the next year, which is part of the um, sample in our study, where it scaled up to over 100 high schools and then continued to scale up over time. Um, and so it did uh, provide, it was actually that scale-up effort uh, that provides some of these differences that we try to um, e extrapolate from in our study. And then, as I understand it, the state threw you all a bit of a curveball by changing the structure of remediation on college campuses. What did it do? That's right. So there has been a very popular um, movement in developmental courses, given a bunch of literature over the last decade saying that traditional college level remedial courses don't have these positive impacts we might hope that they were having for students. So colleges have started to move more towards accelerating those courses or in the case of Tennessee, offering the courses simultaneously with the college level courses. This is called co-requisite remediation. And Tennessee um, had done some, uh, similarly, there had been some colleges um, implementing co-requisite remediation. Due to the success they were finding in those individual colleges, they decided in 2015-16 to move toward a statewide effort of offering co-requisite remediation, which is um, essentially the elimination of standalone developmental college courses. So ultimately, you have the opportunity to compare the sales approach to traditional remediation uh, but also to learn about the effects of this change in the structure of remediation on college campuses. Yes. So the, I think when this originally started, I don't know that we saw that as an opportunity. Yeah. It's posed an analytic challenge um, at the beginning, but absolutely, that is ultimately where we landed. This provided a really... Um, rare opportunity to look at not only the impacts of a high school remedial math program compared to a traditional college remedial math program, but also to look at the impacts of a high school remedial math program compared to a co-requisite uh, remedial math program and to see are, are there differences and what can we learn from those differences. So let's turn to what we learn from those differences. How did sales impact students' college success relative to the traditional approach of 
requiring them to enroll in remedial classes when they arrive on campus. So it look in comparison to what many states are currently still offering, which is a traditional prerequisite college math course um, in college, uh, it looks like a, the sales program helps students to certainly avoid remedial math once in college because that and that just makes sense because they are getting it out of the way in high school. But then we also see them getting earning more credits um, by the end of a year but, and then by the end of two years. Um, we didn't see big impacts on other things like college enrollment or necessarily degree completion. Our study is somewhat limited in that we are only able to look at degree completion two years later, um, which for a community college is unusual to see large numbers of people getting degrees after only two years. But we do see this sort of massive reduction in the number of students enrolling in remedial math once in college, and then also enrolling in college math and passing college math at higher rates once they do get to college. So they're avoiding remediation as college students and avoiding paying for that, as I understand it. They yep. didn't pay for sales while in high school. Right. And they're completing a few more credits by the end of their second year, but no more likely yet to, to earn a degree. How did that picture change when you started comparing them to this new co-requisite remedial program? So we many of the these positive effects I just mentioned disappear uh, when the students were um, enrolling in college during the co-requisite remedial period. We still observe dramatic reductions in students needing any kind of remedial course. So in co-requisite remediation, students take college level alongside a developmental. And so the students that had participated in sales or had the ability to enroll in sales enrolled in the co-requisite course at lower rates, the, the developmental side of that equation. Um, and that's good. That's what the program intended. That's what we'd expect to see happen. Um, but these positive impacts on taking and passing college-level math, um, they disappear primarily into the co-rec, which then one you know, asks the question of, is it that these um, effects that we saw before are being largely explained by the co-requisite model? Would it be that they were being explained by the co-requisite remediation or just that the two programs were accomplishing largely the same purpose? That's right. So I, that's ultimately what we discuss in our paper is that there we think that there are certainly some positive aspects to offering remediation in high school. The cost, the getting these courses out of the way, but that there does seem to be uh, an equally beneficial piece that happens when you offer remediation alongside college level. Um, we looked to some other studies that talk about this idea of just-in-time remediation or the idea that you're learning the skills you need alongside the college level course, um, that this may be equally, if not more, helpful in explaining pass, pass rates of that college level course. Now, in addition to looking at the college outcomes of sales students, you also administered a test of math achievement and a survey to some 16,000 students in the sales high schools in the 2015-16 school year. What were you trying to learn from that aspect of the study? This was a part of the study we were all very excited about because there are so few opportunities in higher education in general where we have both a pretest and a post-test to look at is some could some of this whatever we might see in their college um, pass rates could some of that be explained by the actual learning of math content knowledge and so what we did was we used the ACT pretest to look at where students came into the sales program and the students just 
you know, all high school seniors in these um, 120 schools that we tested. And then we administered a ACT post-test um, at the end of their senior year math course. And the post-test was designed by ACT to be comparable to the pretest. And we were interested to see if their, the sales students had a larger jump in their math knowledge, content knowledge at the end of the course compared to similar students with just a f ACT's points one or two were just really close to the cutoff for assignment to sales. And that meant that those students who were slightly higher scoring weren't enrolling in the sales program. And you're comparing to see, did the sales students actually make more progress over the course of their senior year in the math skills that the sales course was focused on. Right. What did you find? Like I said earlier, the sales program itself substantially increased the proportion of students that took college level math, but we did not see that it impacted their achievement or their, it, that we didn't see a difference between students that had access to the sales program versus their peers who did not when it came to results on this post-test. So they weren't actually learning anything that we could measure from the course itself. Nonetheless, they are actually going on in completing college level math at higher rates. Does this mean we need to, I don't know, rethink the whole idea of requiring remediation uh, as a prerequisite for enrolling in college classes? Well, I think it's important, first of all, to note that we don't really know if traditional college remedial courses are improving students' math content knowledge in, to begin with. So while we didn't see this big jump as a result of the sales versus non-sales students in high school, we just don't really have much to compare that to when it comes to college. So I think your question is a really good one, which says that what does this mean for offering these courses if we're not seeing impacts on students' content knowledge in this particular study, but then also on their taking and passing college level math once in college. So we do some thinking about this in our, in our paper and in our study about other barriers that might be taking place here, other things that colleges might want to consider. We don't, I, I personally don't think this suggests that we should get rid of remediation, but all of this is a conversation about resources and where to best allocate those resources. Um, and so there have been studies that say maybe this should be happening earlier than the 12th grade year of high school. This isn't something we were able to look at here, um, but it does suggest that there, these, these courses are not necessarily boosting student achievement. We also don't see them as harming students, um, but it, they aren't having, likely having the impact that um, we may have thought years ago. And you all ultimately conclude in the article that institutions and policymakers will have to clear other barriers to college success in order to substantially improve students' chances of completing a certificate or a degree. What other barriers do you see as most important? And what ideas do you have for starting to clear them? I mean, I think we know of from lots of studies in higher education about a whole host of barriers, including financial, other um, more sort of engagement or academic engagement barriers that students might have. Um, and I think we can actually look to some other states or districts or institutions that have tried some reform efforts to see that there do seem to be some promising trends. And a lot of them point to more than just kind of a one-off um, 
policy change. So some of these remedial programs that look to more kind of comprehensive or integrated approaches that both address students' academic needs, but also think about how the developmental course connects to their major, getting students in through a pathway that makes sense. If we're not able to connect these developmental courses to what students actually need to get degrees, then I'm not sure we should be doing them. Um, and so sort of helping to make those pathways clearer and cleaner for students is another um, pretty important barrier. My guest today has been Angela Boatman, Associate Professor at Boston College and co-author of Is College Remediation a Barrier or a Boost? Available now at educationnext.org. Angela, thanks for being part of the podcast. Well, thank you. You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you use so that you don't miss an episode. And especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.